Good evening, church family. <clears throat> Good Friday. What a strange name to call the day we remember our Lord being crucified. At least maybe as the world sees it, but we call it Good Friday because of what that action did and why it was so good. It was good because it accomplished salvation for us. It was good because in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross, as we have sung about, as we have read, our sins were forgiven. All debt was paid. Anything outstanding in our relationship with God was taken care of, and now we can have a relationship with our Maker, our Creator, through our Savior. So when we talk about Good Friday, it's good to remember those events that we recall. The events that we've sung about, the events we've read about, about how Jesus, on that last night, when He celebrated the Passover meal with His disciples, and He went out and prayed in the garden, and a mob appeared, led by Judas Iscariot, one of His own followers. How they pulled Him out of that garden, and they took Him to before the Sanhedrin, the council. And how they trumped up charges against him and they called out false witnesses that accused him of things he never did and yet he was silent how they wanted to kill him and in, in those days the death penalty had to be carried out by the romans and so they they brought those charges again uh, before pilate and they urged him to crucify jesus christ but pilate didn't want anything to do with this and he tried to get out of it and so he had him flogged hoping this would appease the religious leaders but yet it didn't and there a crowd standing before pilate the same crowd probably who cheered for jesus as he entered jerusalem hosanna here comes the son of david now chanted and cheered crucify him being stirred up by those same religious leaders so he was mocked, he was beaten, he was spat upon. A crown of thorns was crafted and crammed on his head. He was robed in a, in a robe of scarlet to mock him as the soldiers said, Oh, hell to the king of the Jews. And then he was led to be crucified. But he was so weakened, he actually could not even carry the crossbeam. And so they had to grab Simon of Cyrene and say, Here, carry this for him. But still they led him up to that hill Golgotha, the place of the skull, where they nailed him to the cross and where he died for us. And nailed to the cross, looking upon the people who tormented him, who mocked him, looking upon his followers. What does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And finally, breathing his last, yielding up his spirit, he said, It is finished. Put yourself in the shoes of his disciples. They had just seen their Lord, their, their Savior, the, the one they called Messiah, the one they called Rabbi. They just saw him carried away and they saw him die. Imagine, they're living in the moment. They're living this history right there for the first time. They do not know what is about to happen. They felt lost, alone. No doubt they even felt betrayed. Here was our, our Lord who was going to rescue us from the Roman legions, and yet he's dying on a Roman cross. 
How could this be who was prophesied? How could this be our Savior? I think we can relate to the struggle because they're processing why did Jesus have to die? So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 24. For maybe a different type of Good Friday passage. For in Luke 24, we find a passage of actually Jesus after he is resurrected. But this is him talking to some disciples as they are struggling to understand why did these events have to happen. So in Luke chapter uh, 24, sorry, in verse 13, it says this, On the very day, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing them, him. And he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with one another as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to him, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ, that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. When we look at that text, we see disciples struggling to understand why did Jesus have to die? They ask that question then, and so many people even struggle with it now. Why did Jesus have to die? Why do we celebrate his crucifixion? Why does that make sense in this, in this belief we have? Why did Jesus have to die? I love this account because Jesus looks at them and says, do you not understand? He might have said, oh foolish ones, but he said, do you not understand, basically? You should know this. Why it was necessary that the Christ had to suffer these things and enter into his glory. Why it was necessary. And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, had a little Bible study, and he told them how all these threads of the Bible pointed to this moment. They pointed to this one weekend, this, this crucifixion and this resurrection. They pointed to this and were fulfilled in it. It would be great to know what he said, but when we think through and when we read the Bible, we can see maybe what he did. Maybe he took the disciples back to Genesis 3.15 and pointed out that this offspring, the seed of Eve that was going to crush the head of the serpent and be bruised in the process was him. That he destroyed 
the death. He destroyed the enemy in his crucifixion, but he was bruised in the process. And maybe he, he developed this whole theme of this offspring that's found throughout the Bible about this promised child would save his, the people of God. A theme that's developed in Abram having this promised child of Isaac who had his own unpromised children. About how these promised children were promised again and again to Israel. How Samson came, the promised child, to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Again and again we see this theme ultimately culminating in in being the pinnacle in Jesus Christ. The promised child born of the Virgin Mary who would save his people from their sins. Maybe he took him back to the garden and said, humanity was designed to be with God. That Adam and Eve were designed to walk with God and talk with God and relate to God in this intimate, personal way. But sin entered and shattered that and estranged humanity from the Creator. And ever since then, all of us have struggled and we cannot relate to our Creator because He is holy and we're anything but holy. But he shows through the Bible and walking through Moses and all the prophets about how God had been working a great redemption plan. How God had been working and showing how he was coming back for his people and bringing his people back to him. But how God gave us a glimpse of this when he spoke to Abraham and he spoke to Moses, how he created this tabernacle so that he could dwell with his people in the midst. But there's these layers between him and their people. In the temple, he was there, but there's layers still, but now he came. And on that day when he was crucified, the curtain in the temple tore, and there was free access, symbolized once again through Jesus Christ with their maker. That he was truly Emmanuel, God with us. Or maybe he took them back and showed how there's a pattern established that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And taking them back and through the whole Bible, through Moses and all the prophets, he showed them how there was a sacrificial system instituted even before the law and how even with Abraham and Isaac on that mount when God provided that ram and Abraham recognizes God will provide. And this pointed forward to Christ and the sacrificial system that was given to um, through Moses to the people all pointed to Christ and here and now was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ himself given for the people, given for their sins so that now through his blood they can relate, have a relationship with their maker. This is what John the Baptist recognized when he saw Jesus on that bank of the Jordan River and he cried out, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He recognized this truth that here comes Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate high priest, the one mediator between God and man. I don't know what Jesus said in that verse at that time, in Luke 24, but I imagine it might have been something along those lines. As he showed the disciples, all the threads of the Bible were culminating and coming to their fulfillment and completion here, right now, during these events that we remember on Good Friday and on Easter morning, that our Savior died for us. In our place, he stood. 
in our place, that we deserve to die the, the, the criminal's death. He stood and took our sin upon Himself and that upon that cross, all of our sins were given. The wrath of God that was there against our sin was poured out upon the Son. And because of that, they are no more. Because of that, as far as the east is from the west, our sins have been separated from us if we have faith in our Savior who died for us. This is why on that cross, as Jesus yielded up His Spirit, He could say, it is finished. What was finished? His life? No, we know what's coming. His life is not finished. Though He truly was dead at this point, what is finished? He's talking about everything needed to bring us back to God. It was finished. The debt has been paid. The, anything that would hinder us from knowing who God was has been cleared away, and now He can bring His people back to their Maker. It is finished. Everything needed for our salvation has been finished in Jesus Christ. The story of the Bible leads us to this point in time. That sinful Adam was led out of the garden to die, and death reigned ever since. Until sinless Jesus was led out of the garden to die, and death was defeated. This is what we celebrate on Good Friday. And this is why we call it good. It's a time of reflection. It's so hard because with the cross, we can't separate the cross from what is coming that we celebrate in a few short days on Sunday. We're going to take a moment and just reflect on this sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to, uh, uh, the band's going to come back up and they're going to play one song and I would ask for this first song. Don't, don't sing along, but just reflect upon the cross. Think about it. Where you are, you can move, you can pray, you can kneel, you can do whatever you want, but reflect upon the cross and what that meant and what that achieved for us. And so I'm going to start us off just reading a prayer about this that we can help us reflect upon what Jesus secured for us by the cross. There is no sorrow like your sorrow, Lord, no love like your love. Was it not enough, dear Savior, that you came down to pray and sigh and weep for us? Would you also bleed and die for us? Was it not enough that you were hated, slandered, blasphemed, buffeted, but you also would be scourged, nailed, wounded, and crucified? Was it not enough to feel the cruelty of men? Would you also experience the wrath of God? And if your love was not enough, giving up your life and shedding that precious blood, was it not enough to die once to suffer one death? Oh, the far-suppressing love of Christ, heaven and earth are astonished at it. What tongue can express it? What heart can conceive it? The tongues and the thoughts of people and the angels are far below it. Oh, the height and depth and breadth and length of the love of Christ. Our creation knows not how to react. Our thoughts are swallowed up. And there they remain until the glory, till glory elevates them. When our jaw will be to praise, admire, 
and adore this love of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank You. Thank You for this time when we can remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This time we can remember how our salvation was secured. How You brought us back to You. Let us never forget it. Let us never lose sight of this truly wondrous cross. 